Welcome to Outdoors. I'm Brian, and this morning I'm excited to talk to John Zilly. John and I go back a ways. He is a guidebook author, creative for outdoor brands, and now performance footwear innovator. John, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here, and it's been a long time, so I'm, I'm psyched to uh, have this conversation. Yeah, actually, let's let's talk a little bit about that that background. I I came across your book um, Beyond Mount Sai. Gosh, when was that? Like probably early two thousands when you came out with that one? Yeah, I think 2003. Yeah. So, right. It was right about when I had my twins because I had been doing a lot of alpine and rock climbing. And as soon as we had our, our twins, basically uh, we were relegated to hiking trails because <laughs> we couldn't take them climbing, obviously. The, the, the same thing happened to me because I was um, uh, writing uh, uh, mountain bike guidebooks for um, you know all of the 90s. And um, I did a whole bunch of them. But um, when we started having kids, then um, I was like, oh, well, you know, it's hard. I, I can go hiking with one, the kids, but I can't go mountain biking with them, uh, you know, when they're tiny. Right. So did you start exploring other hiking trails at that point and start digging in? How did, how did you come about to creating your press? Because it was an adventure press. Yeah. So how did that organically happen? I actually wrote my first book in the late uh, 1980s. And um, that at the time I was living in uh, Ketchum, Idaho, and um, I was um, uh, writing for the a newspaper nearby, the Twin Falls Times News, uh, and I was uh, want, I wanted to have a creative project, and so and mountain biking was just coming on uh, there, uh, and so I started uh, riding around the trails on on my. Um, uh, it was a touring bike really with, you know, drop bars and stuff. And, uh, and so, uh, I did that and then I just got the idea, Hey, I want to write, uh, there, there was no book at the time. So I started, um, you know, mapping it out and writing the descriptions and, and can and, um, came up with out with a, a, a little book and it was just uh, only had 18 uh, trails in it and it was saddle stitch, no photography, um, and so it wasn't going to be selling all over the place. It was going to be selling to stores in Ketchum and Sun Valley mostly. And so I just went around and hand sold it, you know, to the, to the stores. And so when I got to doing my, um, bigger books with photography and look, you know, didn't look, um, you know, quote unquote self-published, uh, in the same way, <clears throat> I had all the skills of, you know, do, doing the layout, doing the selling. And, um, you know, you don't need a big publisher to distribute and sell a local um, guidebook because local guidebooks, that's all they, where they sell, you know, that we're not selling all over the, across the country. Right. So with, with your book, uh, Beyond Mount Sai, I mean, I was really drawn to that because it seems like people would go to popular trails like Mount Sai over and over again, filling up the parking lots and didn't even know about any of the equivalently awesome hikes just right next door. So what was your kind of positioning approach on that while you're putting that one together? Right. Well, I mean, so that's <clears throat> for sure part of it. Uh, but, um, the, you, you know, let's get, because the, the Mount Sai parking lot is gigantic and it, you know, fills up early and there's so many people on that trail. Um, and so, yeah, let's go somewhere else. However, <laughs> you know, the, uh, I wanted to, uh, do, 
hikes within 90 miles of Seattle. So they, they were accessible to a lot of people. And because of that, just about all the hikes in the, in beyond Mount Si are relatively traveled, you know? Um, so they're busy ish, not as busy as Mount Si, but, um, for sure. But, uh, yeah, so I was trying to encourage people. It was encourage people to do something different. Um, but also I wanted to position it as, okay, these are the hikes that are, you know, close into Seattle for the people that like want to go a day hiking. Yeah. And I really appreciated that having a, you know, young family. And in fact, over the period of what, eight years, we did all of them, <laughs> you know, that's you know, so awesome. it was the outlet to do that. And that's when we did all the videos and all the stuff that, uh, out of best in the Northwest after that. But I mean, great memories, right? I mean, just amazing. And I think that's the cool thing about a book rather than nowadays there's, you know, all sorts of websites to find out trail information, but you don't get this collective sense of the lay of the land or all of it together, unless you have a physical book that you can dog ear the pages on when you're done, you know, kind of keep track of where things are at. Right. And one of the things that I like to do in, in, and did this in some of my books is that is add a little, um, add a little blank spot for some notes. So you could take notes and, and, you know, note the date you, you went on the hike or the dates you did it and who you went with or what the weather was like, you know, whatever you want to use it for, because that's something that you can't do online. And the other thing you can't really do is easily, you know, compare three, four, eight different hikes to decide, okay, what you want to do. Um, and it's harder to go, go back when, um, four or five a year later, months or a year later and say, oh yeah, this is, um, that I did that and that was fun and I should do that again. Yeah. I, and that's really great. We've actually used that quite a bit where we, we put down the notes when we did this, what the conditions were like and all that. And then you have that book and it becomes like a almost like a journal or something, you know, and it's, you look back years later and like, oh, I remember what that was like, you know, not, it's not even my own photos or anything in the book. It's just that scribbled note that reminds me of what that experience was like. So there's something about that physical thing, I guess, that you get that connection that you don't get with the digital media part. That is so awesome, by the way. I mean, I don't know if I've met anybody else who's done all the hikes in the book. So, um, you know, good on you. That's uh, real. I, I love that. Thanks. Well, I mean, it was really great to explore because it was it just made me more curious. Well, what's this trail like? What's this one like? What's that one like? And it, different parts of the year. And then you really kind of got into a, a groove of where and when you're going to see like all the mushrooms out or when the when it rains really hard, you go check out waterfalls or when the snow melts, you go alpine. So, you know, you really get a good sense of when and where to do things. So that was I, I really treasure treasure that book. And now as my kids are growing up, those memories that we made, you know, as we did that. So why don't we transition a little bit? So from that experience of your guidebook authoring and publishing, you kind of moved into the creative realm and started the studio and doing brand content. How did how did that uh, happen? Well, you know, there's not a lot of uh, money as in um, uh, uh, for, at least for raising a family and guidebook writing. Um, unfortunately, I mean, and I and and I guess I would just. Um, caveat that in the way I liked to do it, which was carefully and, you know, make it really uh, detailed. And, you know, there are lots of books out there that are slapped together and, um, you know, maybe you can crank them more out, but I wasn't able to do it that way. I like to make it something I was really proud of. Anyhow, I was, so I was looking around, okay, well, what else am I going to do um, to, you know, pay the rent? 
And um, a buddy of mine from college uh, was running a uh, little uh, advertising agency. I called him for informational interview. Turned out that one of their copywriters had just quit. And so he, um, you know, took a chance on me. Uh, obviously, I had lots of writing experience from writing for the newspaper and writing a bunch of guidebooks. And um, that, and so I was worked in uh, different advertising agencies in Seattle for about ten years, and then I started my own agency uh, as a copywriter and creative director, and um, did a lot of well because of my experience in mountain biking and hiking and outdoors and skiing, uh, I did a lot of um, uh, worked with a lot of outdoor you know clients, so. That's uh, that's sort of how I <laughs> the windy road to get to um, you know running Mile Post Fifty Nine, which was my uh, brand agency. Yeah. So speaking about running, now your your path and your path and your career path is much more like a a rugged trail run, I'd say, than a road smooth run because it's kind of gone all over the place. But now moving into Bamazi and performance running footwear. What what is your your goal and your plan with with that project? Well, I'll just tell you for briefly how I got into it um, because um, the you know I, I actually ran track and cross country in high school and college, and that that was sort of my first love, uh, you know, as a you know competitor and athlete. Uh, uh, and um, a buddy of mine um, who I ran in uh, track and cross country in high school with, uh, he went on to become president at Montreal. You might be, remember the. Um, hiking and uh, trail running shoes. He was president there for about 12 years. And um, then he was on to, you know, some other places, including Pearl Zumi to oversee their footwear division. And um, he had an idea in um, uh, 2018 uh, that um, uh, kind of a revelation while he was running intervals um, that uh, tuning a shoe by the pace of the runner could make it uh, much more efficient. And so, um, that, so he, I, I helped him do some, you know, working on the story very casually while I was at Milepost 59. And then after a while, he's, he said, hey, Zilly, why don't we start this company and make these shoes? So that's how it, it, it started up. And um, so it was, um, you know, perfect in lots of ways because, well, I am uh, started out as a runner. Uh, I love running. Um, it was a, you know, with a buddy that I've known for a long, long time. So that was uh, excellent. And it used um, lots of my experience that uh, I'd, you know, learned along the way in advertising and at uh, Milepost 59. So it's, you know, kind of perfect in, in lots of ways. So it's interesting going from, you know, the conceptual world of, you know, advertising and media and creative where everything is kind of just ideas, you know, and then to move that into actually physically molding a physical product must be pretty re rewarding and gratifying. Right. Well, there's, I mean, it's on, on, it's, it's challenging and gratifying on multiple levels. I mean, you know, it's interesting to be, have for a long time as Milepost 59, I was always the consultant I'm telling clients what you should do. You should do this. You should do that. You should do the other thing. Right. And now as the, um, you know, on the other side of the table, I'm like, uh, holy crap, what am I, what, uh, this is harder than I, you know, realized, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you should do X. And then, you know, you're off to the next client and it's harder to actually make X happen. I'm, you know, uh, you know, learning that, uh, along the way, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. It's super uh, gratifying to kind of 
we we came up with the name um, and um, are you know bringing the brand to life, and uh, we're very close to launching the shoes, and so bringing the you know the actual product out, and and um, we've got uh, the, you know some other kind of initiatives that go along with it. We wrote a um, uh, interval training book that's um, uh, pretty cool, and we have uh, been hosting these virtual races on our website. You know, in uh, in an effort to engage runners and and offer them some interesting, fun things, um, helpful advice. Uh, and then we also um, created a, uh, a training plan app called Run Crush that, uh, it, it, and it's free, to, but it helps people, you know, prepare for their next uh, race, be it a, you know, 5K or half marathon or marathon or whatever. So uh, as you're developing the, the product and the audience at the same time, how do you actually go about figuring out what to do first and what to do next when um, you're, you're developing and you got to figure out, you know, where to do all the manufacturing, the prototyping, and, you know, also the R&D, what do people want? What are they looking for? What are you bringing that's unique? So how do you organize all that? Well, so, you know, my partner, Scott, he's the uh, shoe dog and um, he's been in the shoe, uh, running shoe industry for 25 years. So he's, He's the guy that knows about getting the shoes designed, about uh, getting them manufactured, uh, about the whole supply chain. He, he's the uh, he's the guy. So I'm um, involved in that. I know some of that stuff. He's the uh, one day to day who's taking care of that. I'm the one who's trying to figure out how to tell the story in the best way and the clearest, you know, simplest way, and engage runners and offer encouragement and, and, um, you know, sort of be enthusiastic out there on social media and Strava and soon enough at, um, uh, live events because, um, live events are coming back or, you know, people have been running in races this summer and, and that's going to be become more and more the case. So, so that's sort of my, uh, job. So thankfully <laughs> I haven't had to figure out how to, you know, get shoes, uh, manufactured and designed and um, and all that. As far as now, what people want, you know, we're coming at this from a really different angle, and that's that it's shoes tuned by pace. So if uh, uh, you're running eight minutes per mile uh, for a long run, then you get this uh, one particular model. If you're going to go out and do a tempo run at a much faster pace, then you you run in a different model. And what we do is we tune the midsole to each model so it responds most efficiently to the forces at that pace. And the reason we do that is the forces in running are much, much different at five, six minutes per mile than they are at nine, 10, 12 minutes per mile. And having one, one midsole can't respond uh, efficiently or correctly to that whole range of, of uh, forces. So we have um, six models that we uh, that that kind of span the pace zones. We call them the the pace zones are about two minutes wide. Span the pace zones from uh, four and a half minutes per mile up to thirteen minutes per mile. Six shoes, and they give you kind of optimal cushioning in the in the heel and midfoot 
um, because we've tuned it to, we know the exact forces that uh, you're going to have at uh, 10 minutes per mile, say, or six minutes per mile. And then we tune the forefoot differently because the propulsion forces are different from the impact forces. And you want the propulsion forces to react most efficiently because that's, you know, that's how you actually run and propel yourself, right? So those need to be tuned differently than the, than the heel. And so that's the performance side of it. And then we've got this amazing design opportunity where we can design, because runners who are running five, six minutes per mile, they want different things than uh, a runner who's running nine, 10, uh, 11 minutes per mile. And the, the, you know, the uh, six minute per mile runner, they want lightweight at um, all costs. They are probably very light in stature, agile runners. And so you can make a little bit narrower platform, for instance, whereas um, runners who are running nine, 10 minutes per mile, you can give them a little wider platform. You can get add a few more stability features in there, a little bit more rubber on the sole, things like that. So you can, and then, and then uh, we have lots of other ways we design the shoes to uh, accommodate the when you're running at a, a, any given pace. So it's rather than go out and do, do a bunch of market research about what run, runners want, we're coming up with a whole new way to think about running. Because if you're, you're gonna run, you know, some days I run eight minutes per mile. So other days I run nine and a half minutes per mile. Some day, you know, on occasional days, I do a tempo run under seven minutes per mile, right? I can wear a different shoe on each of those days that's, you know, perfectly suited to my needs and um, gives me, you know, the best, you know, performance. Mm. So, um, th so that's the way we're, rather than, you know, right now, it's so confusing. You go into the running store, shoe store or online, and there's this wall of shoes and they've all got all these features and different foams and, and, it's it's impossible, even for an experienced runner. It's like, where do I start? And um, it, it's confusing. And we're giving people a super simple story. Look, if you're going to go out and run 10 minutes per mile on your long runs, here's the exact shoe you need to run your best. And it's got the features that you're going to want for that pace. So an example would be maybe you look at Olympic or Paralympic athletes that are running, you know, on the track, they're wearing racing flats, right? Really, yeah. really, uh, really lightweight, hard sold performance with obviously they were pretty much on the forefoot the whole time into the other extent of the range where you have like really highly cushioned uh, shoes with a wider uh, platform like you're talking about. Right now, it seems like there's probably not that many iterations in between those things, <laughs> or maybe there's maybe three categories or something or four, um, but you're talking about six different categories. So a single runner, depending on the type of running they're doing, might have an arsenal of shoes that's going to be for intervals or for recovery, that, that sort of thing. Right now, it's sort of apples to oranges because right now the uh, companies make what they call their, okay, this is our race shoe, right? And they make it light. And they and and they uh, minimal padding around on the tongue or around the heel, and uh, and less rubber on the uh, outsole. Right, the light, light, light. But it's for everybody, because runners, you know, uh, if you're running a marathon, some runners run five minutes per mile. Lots of runners run nine, 10, 12 minutes per mile. 
right? And but they're they're saying, oh well, this race shoe that's for everybody. Every anybody can run in it, but it's not going to be efficient for everybody because the forces are so different at 11 minutes per mile than they are at five minutes per mile. It could be that your midsole, a shoe like that, your midsole, if you're running very fast where the forces are really high, all of a sudden the midsole becomes like, you know, soft memory foam with no stability and no efficiency. Or if you're running very slow, that same midsole, it could be like way too hard because you're not, you're not generating enough force to, you know, even compress it. What we're doing and, and, yeah, and shoe companies now have, they have their racing shoe or a couple of racing shoes, and then they have a light trainer shoe, and then they have their more stability shoes and blah, and it's all this commodity uh, mumbo jumbo. And what we're doing is we're saying, well, if you're going to go out and run at 10 minutes per mile, here's the shoe you need to run your best. It's going to be tuned to uh, like optimal efficiency for that pace, and it's going to give you the features that you are going to want at that pace. So it's more about the, it's, it's about the pace rather than the runner. In the other paradigm, it's, uh, it's all about the, the runner. I'm going to get a racing shoe. Well, it's like a racing shoe for everybody's uncle. You know, what, what I really want is a racing shoe that's made for me because I race a marathon at this pace, say, you know? So, um, I think that, and you know, in all kinds of categories, personalization is huge and everybody's trying to figure out how to personalize more and more. And what's more personal than pace? And runners, especially these days, know their pace because everybody's got a watch or some kind of device that they're using to cat, you know, to log their time, you know, workouts, or they're calling up a running buddy and you can't call up anybody. You got to call up somebody that's going to run your pace or right. they're out at the gym, you know, getting on a treadmill and you have to set the treadmill to a pace that you can do, you know, so everybody knows their pace. Pace is uh, super personal and um, we're, you know, uh, so we're making it so that they can shoot, select shoes based on their pace. And um, the way we think about it is it's kind of like democratizing performance across all paces because, you know, I have a, a good friend who she runs 12, 13 minutes per mile. But sometimes she motivates and is running a little bit more often and she moves it up to 10 minutes per mile. That's super empowering for her. And so we want to empower people like that to run a little bit, be able to run a little bit faster if they want with shoes that are uh, more efficient. And, um, you know, right now the companies are just making one shoe that they think uh, that they're trying to pawn off on everybody. So I imagine the challenges with, well, with shoes in general, you know, there, there are so many different sizes to begin with. And if you have six different models and all the sizes, how do you go about figuring out the distribution and the demand? Or is it going to be like a pre-order situation or, or how you think about rolling that out? Right. A couple of things. One is that, you know, for marathon, the, I think the average marathoner um, uh, comes in and it's about nine and a half minutes per mile is what they run. Well, then there, but there's marathoners that run slower than that. And there's marathoners that run faster than that. And it's kind of like a bell curve, right? And so we, so as far as the models go, we know we're going to sell fewer of the Z20 is the name of the model is our fastest shoe. Uh, and um, 
we're going to sell many fewer Z20s than we are the Z50 or 60, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we have to make some educated guesses about what that volume is going to uh, look like. And so we do that. And then as far as um, uh, sizing goes, that's there's there's some industry standards that um, you know Scott knows all about because of his experience in footwear. You know he knows that there are going to be a lot uh, more nines and tens sold than thirteens and fourteens, for instance. In uh, talking men's, you make the order uh, according to that. So that's how we're you know, going about doing that. But um, that's not to say we've got everything figured out. (laughs) I'm sure that there's going to be, you know, lots of, well, we've got, you know, so many of these women's size fives, we don't know what to do with uh, or whatever. So, so how does that go with uh, getting, getting the funding and then starting to get the distribution and, and where and when will people be able to, to find the shoes? Right. So, well, we've um, uh, gone through a couple of funding rounds uh, to uh, help uh, get off the ground. Um, And so, um, and those have just been with small, mostly friends and family um, kinds of, you know, close acquaintance uh, investors. And um, they've uh, helped, um, you know, get us to this where where we are now, uh, which is, um, uh, you know, we've uh, done a lot in a relatively short amount of time. The shoes are just about done. Uh, the two of the models are completely ready to go, and two more are. We're getting a shipment in this week that um, w- should be production ready to go, and um, we're hoping to launch the first two pairs by the end of the year. That's the idea. And the first two um, shoes that are out of the gate are the Z40, which is tuned to six to eight minutes per mile. And the Z60, which is tuned 8 to 11 minutes per mile. So those are our first two shoes. And then we'll, um, depending on how those sell, we're going to, then, then we'll be adding the other uh, shoes in. Hmm. And you know, we, we may be, uh, hopefully we'll be self-funding after that. You know, we'll be selling enough shoes so that we can use the revenue to um, order more and order the next model after that. Mm-hmm. Wow, pretty exciting seeing it come together like that. Totally, it's 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 super exciting. I'm, uh, yeah, we're, we've um, it's been and it's taken longer than we've uh, thought because of um, you know, the pandemic. You know, we've haven't usually we're having the shoes manufactured in China, and um, that they have the best technology uh, and most expertise there, and um, you can get uh, relatively small minimum order quantities, which is important for <laughs> us as a tiny startup, but we haven't been able to go there. And the thing you can do, if you, if you go there, you spend two, three weeks, you can get you can make uh, eight zillion decisions quickly and um, get things rolling. Uh, but um, now we're doing it o- over Zoom and uh, through email and by FedExing stuff back and forth, and it just takes a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So, what sort of other activities and things do you have planned coming up to uh, with the rollout and the releases? The, uh, other than you know, just uh, it's working social media, trying to you know meet runners, talk to people, get the get the word out. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of that. We're planning in the, um, you know, next spring, we're hoping to go to start going to events, showing off the uh, shoes, 
in um, in casual or more official sorts of ways, depending on our budget. <laughs> and um, you know, we're going to be running in um, uh, races. I'm actually running in the Tunnel Marathon uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, Scott's um, running in the London Marathon at the the first week of uh, October. And um, you know, we'll be uh, showing people the shoes there in a very casual way at those uh, places. And then um, you know, we're hoping that people write articles about us and interview us and so we can get the word out to runners because I think runners are going to be super interested in this uh, idea. Hmm. And where can people go to learn more about Vamazi? Well, we've got a website, um, vamazi.com. And and interestingly, we, so we've got a, a website up right now. We're uh, evolving the website now. And uh, by the end of September, we'll have a um, uh, new, uh, our new website up that we're super excited about. And so, yeah, vamazi.com. And, and I'll just tell you that the, uh, vamazi, uh, literally means, uh, pace zone. It's from Greek roots. Vima is step or pace and zoni is zone. So you know, it literally means pace zone. So that's, that's where the uh, name comes from. Very, very appropriate. <laughs> well, well named. Nice. Well, we're got a few minutes left here. Any any parting thoughts or things that you're most excited about moving forward? Well, I'm just uh, you know uh, so excited to get the shoes and see how runners react to them. You know, we've had lots of um, uh, thumbs up and kudos and likes. Um, you know, of course, we need all the likes and shares and thumbs upping. You know, we can get, but uh, <laughs> actually having the shoes so that you know runners can. Uh, we've we've been running in the shoes and testing them out, of course, but um, getting um, getting shoes out into the wild where people can you know run in them and race in them and see how they do uh, that's going to be so exciting and I um, uh, really looking forward to that. And uh, you know the uh, virtual races that I mentioned earlier, we're uh, hosting these virtual races. We've did about um, I think sixteen uh, this in twenty twenty one. Those have been really fun, and um, the the they're all free. You and um, when you uh, when you sign up for them, uh, you get a race center on vamazi.com, your own personal race center, and you get a avatar that you can customize. And um, it's all it, it, these illustrated avatars, and you can change out shirts and shorts and shoes that they wear, and body types and heads, and you can kind of mix and match, make your own, and then that that's your kind of race avatar so that when you enter uh, when you do one of the races you can get we call it a finish photo it's kind of like this little um uh, image with your avatar crossing the finish line and your name and your time and and all that it's so that's pretty fun and coming up here pretty soon we'll um launch the 2022 race series probably have you know 12 or 14 races in um uh, 2022. So we're excited to, you know, launch that. Oh, very cool. Well, I'll have to get people engaged to uh, like, share, and then hopefully eventually wear the shoes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. So great. Well, thanks, John. Thanks for taking time. Really excited to, to learn about uh, your new adventures in Vamazi and look forward to, to seeing those out in the, in the real world. But best of luck to you and check out Vamazi.com. And until next time, happy trails.